Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is by G. Wayne Miller for the Providence Journal. What we're trying to do is to have readily available a series of complicated mathematical models that are flexible enough that they could adapt to a new pathogen as it emerges, right? So there's certain components of mathematical models that are going to be um, uniform throughout, uh, no matter what the pathogen is, uh, the way that we construct the model, the way that we think about the natural history of the disease, those things are going to be common. And the particular biology of the pathogen uh, and the host, let's say, maybe things that vary from place to place. So we're trying to develop models that um, take into account that complexity, but that also are flexible enough so that researchers can adapt them when a new pathogen emerges to mimic the particular sort of epidemiological characteristics of the pathogen. So if you have a bunch of models that are readily available, when you have something new that emerges, then you're ready to adapt those models to the specifics of um, this new pathogen. And then relatively quickly, potentially in real time, you could, I'm not saying we have the uh, capacity to do that now, but in 10, 15 years, we might, um, be able to predict in real time and therefore prevent future pandemics. So, so that's our main strategy is we're, we're not developing one model to answer one specific question. We're developing a kind of menu of models that are flexible enough that they could be adapted to answer uh, questions related to a variety of pathogens that may emerge in the future. So obviously this is not a crystal ball saying in 10 years, pathogen X is going to arrive somewhere. Instead, this is when a new pathogen is detected. Correct. Early, early on, you will be able to predict what would happen without intervention, without measures. And so that's really the predictive value. I mean, Correct. And, and in fact, there are some, you know, in this uh, call for proposals, some people did focus on that first area on, you know, how do you prevent you know, pathogen from moving from a host into a into a human host. And they're very focused on that aspect of it. Our, our work is beyond that. We know that you can have some success in that area, but for sure, some pathogens are going to get through your, your, you know, be a long time and a very, very um, rosy future where we could stop pathogens from moving from host to host, uh, um, you know, prior to them emerging in human populations. That would be, you know, a dream come true but we're nowhere close to that. So we uh, start with the assumption that there are going to be new pathogens that emerge. And so how can we be ready and prepared when those happen to best address them, but also to best think about how we can stop them in their tracks? In an ideal world, if we understood the types of things that we're trying to understand in this project, had we understood that at the beginning of COVID, right? If we really knew how people interact across space and time, we would have been in a position to implement um, interventions that were not the blunt interventions that we implemented, right? We said, let's close everything right now, right? Let's 
stopped social mixing completely, right? We had to go with a blunt instrument because we didn't understand the phenomena well enough that we could say, well, some social mixing is okay under these circumstances amongst with this number of people in this kind of room with this kind of ventilation, right? So instead we were, because we didn't have this knowledge, we were forced to use a blunt instrument, which was, you know, large scale, um, uh, trying to change human behavior and is in essence trying to change the way that people interact, right? But if we really understood how people interacted, then we could know that changing certain aspects of that would have no impact at all on transmission, but changing other aspects would have a major impact, right? So, you know, people argue about whether school closing was a good idea or not. If we knew how school kids, if we knew the social network of school kids, right, they're interacting not only with other kids their age, they're interacting with teachers who themselves are interacting with elderly, but they're also interacting with their grandparents, right? If we really understood all of that, we would have been able to predict the real impact of, let's say, limiting class size to five people. I'm just picking some, you know, random uh, intervention. So what I'm saying is we, if we had this data, if we had this understanding, we could apply a much more fine, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right analogy. It's, you know, it's, it's the, it's, um, uh, it's the opposite of, you know, the hammer because we have a nail. It's a fine, um, finely grained, finely tuned intervention that um, is not blunt to cover an entire population, but it understands the complexities of how people interact and is able to tailor smart interventions that only impact on the behaviors that are most likely to relate to transmission. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.